1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: The longest animal migration in the world from Alaska to a bay on the side of Baja on the Pacific side every year without fail for just one month, the month of February, like clockwork. Those whales meet their appointment time of February to be there. Those half a million white storks meet their appointment time in Israel every March without fail. And like I said, those 20,000 humpback whales meet their appointment time. in the the Bay of Magdalena, every February without fail. And we plan on it. And God complains that his people do not meet their first appointment time to be saved from their sins. Before their last appointment time that they have no choice, they will meet, which is Hebrews 9.27. Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But there's another appointment time before them, not to be judged, but to be saved. And that's the 2 Corinthians 6 2, the 2nd Corinthians 6 2 appointment. For he saith, I have heard thee in an accept in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So only during our very short lifetime, very short lifetime is there this appointment time, this opportunity to to be saved. And when life is finished, the appointment is gone. It's too late to be saved. God does not accept to have an appointment with anyone to be saved from their sins after death. And when the Lord Jesus was on earth, it was the time for Israel to come to him and own him as Thomas did in John 20, 28, John 20, 28, when Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, that was their appointed time. That was what he said, you didn't know the time of your visitation. That was their appointment time. And he complains, he says, in Isaiah 1, 3, Isaiah 1, 3, he says, the ox knows his owner. The ass his master's crib, but Israel doesn't know. My people does not consider now, when he's talking to them in verse three about what they should have known, it's just so interesting that he refers to the sky as having a face, a face to read or a face to discern, as he says. Now, we're able to know so much from a face. It reminds me of a business deal that I was making with a businessman in Italy, I was in Italy, and I was going to make this business agreement with this Italian. And I was talking to him on the phone and about making the deal. And he really surprised me when he says, "I need to meet you because I need to look at your face." He says, oh, you know, <laughs> "I was surprised," you know. He wants to look at my face. Okay, he says, "I need to look at your face," just like one king of Israel said to another king of Israel. In 2 Kings 14.8, 2 Kings 14.8. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehorash, the son of Jehorash, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us look one another in the face. Same thing. So I go to meet this Italian businessman and look him in the face. And I remember it was very uncomfortable. He started to stare at my face. (laughs) And he was looking for any indication that I wasn't being straight with him, that I wasn't being honest with him, and he's looking at my eyes, he's looking at my mouth, and he's looking at my forehead to see if I'm sweating. Uh, he would have been good as a police interrogator. <clears throat> see if there was any reason why he shouldn't trust me. It was pretty uncomfortable. But I understood because in Italy, there's a lot of reasons to not trust people in business. <laughs> And it reminds me of the time when, when Cheryl and I were in uh, Milan and we were taking an Alitalia flight from Milan to Rome. And so before getting on the flight, I told Cheryl, you keep your purse close to you because we're in Italy and you can't trust the Italians as someone's going to just grab your purse. And whenever I say those things to her, you know, like in Italy, she, she always said to me, OK, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> anyway. So we got on the plane, the Sal Italia plane in Milan, and I was carrying my uh, suit bag, suit bag, carry on. And we're walking through the first class area there and back to our seats. And all of a sudden, I felt this tug on my suit bag, and I thought, there it is, just like I warned her, one of those Italians was trying to steal my suit bag, I know it, and I was pulling my bag, and he was pulling the bag, and then I, and I turned around to see what's going on, and you see, you see this person is trying to steal my suit bag. And I saw this man in first class, and his arm was stretched way back like this, you know, uh, on my suit bag. And I looked more closely, and I saw that the hanger on my bag had hooked
1: his gold Rolex watch, <laughs>
2: and I was pulling on his watch. <laughs> and he probably thought those Americans always try to steal something. <laughs> Anyway, well, this man wanted to look me in the face. He so wanted to have the agreement. He wanted to discern face. That's what he wanted to do, discern face. Just as Hagar, Sarah's house, she discerned the face of Sarah, who hated her, because Hagar gave to Abraham what Sarah could not give him, which was a son, Ishmael. And so we read in Genesis sixteen six Genesis sixteen six but Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. From her face. Faces tell a lot. The summer blitzers right about that. It's not when they go into Orthodox Jewish areas, it's not so much the words, it's the faces that really oppose them. So Hagar left because of Sarah's face toward her. And when God came to Hagar in the desert and asked her where she thought she was going, Hagar said, "It was the face of Sarah that caused her to run away." In Genesis sixteen eight, Genesis sixteen eight, and He said, "Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go?" And she said, "I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah." And when Jacob was all alone in that momentous night in Genesis 32 that changed everything, you might say, for the world, because that was the time when Jacob got the name Israel. And it was all one night, and he was all alone, and he was wrestling with the man all night long. But all Jacob had to do was look into this man's face that wrestled with him, and Jacob knew he was looking at the face of God. He knew that. In Genesis 32 20 and 32 30. Genesis 32 30. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So Jacob, so impressed with the fact that he saw God in this man's face, that Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. He said, I'm staking out my memorial sign here of Peniel because I just saw. God, face-to-face, face. just like that Italian businessman said to me, let me see your face. And only after he saw my face did he make the deal with me, just like that Jacob looked into the face of God, and only after he looked into the face of God did he read something in Genesis thirty-two thirty. when he said, Genesis 32, 30, when he said, I have seen God face-to-face face, and my life is preserved, that's what he read. My life is preserved. He read that his life is preserved. The Hebrew word there for preserved is the word not natsal, natsal. The best way to get a definition of what a, a word is in the Bible is to look at the other places where it's used, to let the context define the words. Not necessarily strong, but let the context define the words. all is used in Exodus 3.7, where God said, What he was going to do in delivering Israel, he said in Exodus 3, 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I have come down to not out of the hand of the Egyptians. So from that, we understand that this word means to deliver out of the hand of an enemy. To deliver out of the hand of a person who's trying to destroy you. And so he says, Jacob says, My life is not Saul. I've seen God, and in his face, I understand that he's come to deliver me out of the hand of my opponent. Zechariah 3 2 is another place where not Saul is used. Zechariah 3 2. The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not this a brand not sal out of the fire? So not sal there means to pluck out of the fire, the fire that's going to destroy and to pluck it out at the last minute. And so Jacob looks into the face of God and he says, I've been saved at the last minute. You've plucked me out of the fire. You've delivered me out of the hand. And to be able to see the face of God is so vital. It's so vital that the blessing of Aaron in Numbers 624, Numbers 624 says, the Lord bless thee. He was to say to Israel. Aaron, the great, the, the, the high priest, was to say to Israel in Numbers 624, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. And the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon thee, and give thee peace. The blessing is for God to make his face to be open, to be seen, to shine. As a matter of fact, a terrible judgment is when God is so angry with a person that he says, I'm gonna hide my face from that person, as in Deuteronomy 31:17. Deuteronomy 31:17. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day and I will forsake them and I'll hide my face from them and they'll be devoured. God says he does this when a person worships idols. Worships idols, God says, that's it. I'm hiding my face. Deuteronomy 31.18. Deuteronomy 31.18. I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they should have wrought and that they have turned unto other gods. Now, Of all that knew God, Moses had a special relationship with God. And Moses knew God. And it wasn't just because Moses transcribed God's words, but because Moses and God, it is said, looked at each other face to face. They looked at each other's face. Deuteronomy 34.10. Deuteronomy 34.10. There arose not a prophet since. In Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, face to face. It's a great privilege, great privilege to see God's face. And it's not just for Moses. We're encouraged to see the face of God. First Chronicles 1611, first Chronicles 1611. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. As a matter of fact, seeing the face of God is the road to healing the land. Healing the land in 2 Chronicles 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14, very from verse. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so the Bible tells us, so we ask us well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Where do you see the face of God? I see the face of God. The Bible tells us, first, on us, we have to come with what the Bible calls an open face an open face. Second Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. An open face means, like I did with that Italian man, to come to meet him, the Italian businessman, and not hug my face. You know, not because uh, how are you? We're going to do this deal like that. No, look, lift it up. Look straight. Look him straight in the eye. Let him look through me. Let him look through me. I've got nothing to hide. It means that we come to God, not like Adam did in Genesis 3.8. Genesis three eight. it says, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Not like that. Not like that. Not hiding. But he hid because he wasn't right with God. He hid because he had sinned against God. So to come to God with an open face is to come like David came in Psalm 51.4, Psalm 51.4, where he says, Against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. It's not to come to God and say, I made a mistake. Oh, it was Somebody helped me. I went bad day. It was, oh. No. It's open to say, it's, I'm a sinner. I'm not just, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Color me dirty, rotten. That's open face. That's what David was doing. And then to rely on God, having done that, to rely on God, who promises in 1 John 1.8, 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then with that open face, we look in the scriptures and then we see the face of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians four 6, 2 Corinthians 4, six, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because the scriptures are all about Christ. And so he said in John 5.39, John 5.39, 5, search the scriptures. When in them you think you have eternal life, they are they which testify of me. It might as well, he said, they are they you see my face. In the scriptures, Now, the Lord is saying, continues on with these men in verse 4, in verse 4, and he said, he said to them, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So the Lord called the seeking after a sign adulterous. Why adulterous? Why is it adulterous? Because what does an adulterer do? An adulterer and adulteress betray the trust. That's put in him or her. They betray the trust. God trusted Israel with the word of God. All they needed for life was the word of God. Deuteronomy 3, Deuteronomy 3, man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That's all they needed. He gave them the word of God. God trusted Israel to live by the word of God. But to say the word of God is not enough. And I need something more. My husband's not enough. I need another man. My wife's not enough. I need another woman. But to say that the word of God is not enough, and I need signs, I need miracles, I need wonders, that's a betrayal of trust, like adultery. Now, another aspect of adultery is that the adulterer who is, who never sees himself or herself as a dirty, rotten sinner. The adulterous woman is described for us in Proverbs thirty twenty. Proverbs thirty twenty. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I've done no wickedness. Well, who are you calling a dirty rock sinner? Not me. And the Lord said that there would be one sign more coming. One more sign. It's the sign of the prophet Jonas in Matthew 16, verse 4, verse 4. There shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. So this was a coming sign the sign of the prophet Jonah, and there's really two signs wrapped up in the prophet Jonah. We always think the first sign, and it was true, that Jonah was three days and three nights in Jonah seven, Jonah 1.17, Jonah 1.17, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So he's held in there until he's finally thrown up on the, on the shore. And that was like the Lord Jesus, three days in the tomb, three nights, and, and he was resurrected from the dead. But there's a second sign of the prophet Jonas. Jonah. Jonah did what no prophet had ever done before. Jonah 3.3, 3, Jonah 3.3. 3. Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was the exceeding great city in three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city in a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days of Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Nineveh, no other prophet ever preached to Gentiles that a prophet never did that, never went to a group of Gentiles before until Jonah. And the Gentiles believed that that's what he did. And so when you look at John chapter 4, The remarkable thing about John chapter 4, John 4.3, John 4.3 is that it says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Samaria is Gentile. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son. And then this woman is saved, and then all of a sudden, a multitude of Gentiles are coming, In John 4.35, John 4.35, and he looks at these Gentiles, and he says in John 4.35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are ripe already to harvest. A harvest of Gentiles never before had happened with any prophet uh, in Israel except for Jonah. And in John 4.39, John 4.39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said of the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, but because we've heard him ourselves, and we know that this is indeed Christ, Messiah, the Savior of the world. What's this group of Gentiles talking about Messiah, the Jewish Messiah? They've been preached to, by the prophet Jesus, just like Jonah as a prophet preached to Nineveh, and they have come to faith in the Messiah Jesus because of, of them. That's the sign of the prophet Jonas, the preaching to the Gentiles, the Gentiles coming to faith in him is the second sign of the prophet Jonah that showed he was the Christ. So he's told them all these things, and then it looks like, well, we know that they didn't fall down and say, okay, we believe, uh, and, and that didn't happen. They didn't come to faith, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So, finally, the, the, the this portion ends with, he leaves. He leaves. And that's also very sad. The appointment time, that particular appointment time was over, and uh, not to say that that was ultimately for their wives, lives, but in that particular time, and What's on his heart and on his mind, because there are others, there are other cities, there are other people, there are others. I must preach. And so he leaves and goes and moves on as he told his disciples to. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. We worship, admire him, everything he does, Lord. We just get enough of him. Thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen.